Hello, and welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm your host, Rachel. Today's guest has been a supporting member of Strong Towns for 10 years. She is one of our founding members. Lindsay Meek's story might be familiar to some of you, especially those in the city building professions. Several years back, she was an engineer doing some of the typical projects that many civil engineers end up doing these days, building suburban subdivisions. Somewhere along the way, though, she encountered Strong Towns and especially the now famous Conversation with an Engineer video. As she describes it, she saw the light and was convinced that engineering didn't have to be about paving endless roads to the middle of nowhere and building expensive suburban developments on the edge of town. It could be about making places more prosperous and people-centered, not less. Today, Lindsay works for a healthcare company helping them develop facilities designed for healing and comfort. She's also led some efforts to get these large campuses to think about how to be a good neighbor to the surrounding community and helped implement street and public space designs to facilitate that. In this conversation, Lindsay talks about her work today as well as her previous leadership in Strongtown's organizing in Rochester, Minnesota. This conversation might be especially interesting to the engineers out there wondering how they can make a positive difference with their careers and not keep maintaining the suburban status quo. But I think it will also appeal to anyone who's hoping to build stronger towns where they live. Lindsay Meek, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is good to have you on the show today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Rachel. I'm glad to be here. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you originally got connected with Strong Towns? I know you are a founding member of this movement. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's been part of my life forever now. It's probably been about 10 years. Strong Towns first came across my computer I think probably in the same way it did for a lot of people, which was the the little cartoon video of the confessions of a an engineer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw that and it just struck a chord with me and I decided I need to, needed to find out more. And were you an engineer at the time or, or starting your engineering career at that point? Yeah, I'm a licensed civil engineer. A big part of the reason why I struck a chord with me is because, you know, I'm a civil engineer like Chuck is and... So it was very relatable to me, the the language and what I was hearing there and that, you know, the the leader of this organization was a civil engineer, not only um, in my same field, but also in Minnesota, where I was living at the time. Um, yeah, so I practiced civil engineering design for the first part of my career about 10 years or so out of school. Um, but in the last 13 years, I've been working in in the healthcare sector as a project manager, managing construction projects for large academic medical centers and hospitals um, in several locations throughout the country. Got it. And what led you to decide to become an engineer in the first place? Oh my gosh. Um, So that was uh, high school and a teacher that I had, a, a physics teacher, was good about bringing in working professionals from different fields in science and technology and engineering. And at one point invited some civil engineers into the class and they explained what they did. And I thought that sounded cool. And so that's what I went into right out of the gate going into college was civil engineering and never looked back. (laughs) 
Yeah. So what do you do in your day-to-day engineering work now? And how does that, you know, how does that overlap with the Strong Town's mission if it does for you? Well, that's a big question. So I manage hospital construction projects. So I, I work as an owner's rep um, in a consulting role, supporting the owner or, you know, in, in these, in most cases, a, a hospital, an organization or a healthcare organization to deliver, you know, major capital projects, remodeling projects, infrastructure projects for their campuses and their buildings. The benefit of having, you know, been licensed as a civil engineer and actually practiced as a civil engineer in my early years of my career allows me to understand the work that the engineers do that are actually doing the design of these new hospital facilities and the supportive infrastructure. And I can help translate <laughs> between the engineers and the architects and the and the contractors, translate between them and, and the healthcare organization's ownership. So be that, you know, care providers within the organization or board members, leadership groups, decision-making bodies within the organization, the the ones that are ultimately driving the project, championing the project, paying for the project within the um, institution, you know, translating, you know, their needs to what we're asking the designers to, you know, put on paper that will, you know, ultimately achieve the goals of the organization and provide the care to the patients that, that every health organization is seeking to do. So every project has, you know, a squad of architects, engineers, Um, more often than not, there's a civil engineer on that team, a landscape architect, because, you know, the the buildings and the spaces either connect with it directly adjacent to or a part of the public realm. And so there's a lot of opportunity for me to think a little bit more broadly about the context of how those buildings and those, those hospital facilities are impacting or interfacing or interacting with the, the public spaces that surround those facilities. And so I've been really fortunate to have have the Strong Towns principles um, in mind when I think about how these large medical centers impact, you know, the, sp- the space around it and the neighborhoods that they sit in. I feel like that is like those medical centers, of course, they are a huge benefit to society. You know, many of us have gone to those hospitals and, you know, had really, really important care there. But also like from an urban planning perspective, they're not always like looked upon in the best light. Like they're these huge facilities. Sometimes they need to, you know, buy up other land and properties to like expand. So, but it sounds like you're really trying to tune into those concerns and think about like how can a a hospital or an academic medical facility be uh, a good neighbor, so to speak. It's a really unique opportunity that I found myself in. Um, I never expected to find myself in, you know, studying how roads and sewers are designed in my early days. But what I've learned about healthcare in the time that I've spent, you know, inside the walls of these buildings and these organizations is there is a hyper focus on the experience of the patient, you know, within the walls of, of the buildings and so much detail and so much thought is put into how those spaces are designed and how the patients and the visitors walking through the spaces are experiencing those. And, and not just a lot of time and thought and energy, but also money, um, you know, everything from wayfinding to art and, and the things that make those facilities beautiful and, 
and, you know, support the healing that goes on inside the walls, that, that is such a focus of the leaders of those organizations that what I found is they've sort of forgotten about the, the, the experience that goes on once the patients and the visitors leave the building. There's certainly the arrival experience. So like, how does the patient park and, you know, how do they get from the parking garage into the hospital itself? But, but there's less, there's been historically less focus on, you know, what is truly happening out, just outside of, of the walls of the buildings, um, you know, along the sidewalks and the parks that are across the street. And luckily, I've worked for organizations that are starting to think more about that and putting a little more effort into the context of, of how those large campuses really impact the communities that they're in. But I will say it, it's, it's, it's not the primary focus. It, it's, it's a little bit of an afterthought or, or secondary or tertiary focus of, the overall design and and what the architects and engineers are thinking about as they're putting those plans on paper. What are some projects that you've been involved with recently or, you know, in the last few years that you feel like you were able to, you know, have a positive impact and, and think about some of those concerns with the public realm? So you mentioned, you know, the, the impact of the large campuses on on communities and especially the smaller communities um, where some of these community hospitals are, you know, really neighborhood focused and, and part of a neighborhood um, rather than some of the, I've, I've also worked for very urban hospitals that are, you know, in, in the central business district in the urban core, but either version has, you know, an impact on, on the neighborhood um, no matter the, the style of that neighborhood. And those campuses are a lot like college campuses, you know, and, and they kind of consolidate and they'll, as they grow, they what used to be public streets, those streets may be vacated to allow for that growth or more privatization of some of those interior, you know, transportation networks or corridors, be that for traffic or for, or for pedestrians. And then they become these super blocks, right, that sort of slowly like build out and just more and more sort of shut out the outside world and continue to think like really internally within within the confines of those super blocks. Well, the difference with healthcare campuses, hospital campuses that unlike college campuses is there's less thought about walking between the buildings because, you know, on college, college campuses, like at least in my experience, like a lot of most students don't have cars. They're not driving between the buildings to go between classes. They're walking. And so in college and university campus design, there's a lot of thought about, you know, the pedestrian walkways and that experience walking, you know, among the buildings within the campus. But in a hospital setting, it's less so. I mean, you know, patients and visitors, you know, are driving to the hospital, they're parking somewhere, they're walking, probably just to one of the buildings and leaving. Maybe they're they're jumping around a few different buildings, but um, at least in Minnesota, where I've, you know, worked on hospital campuses, there's, okay, let's see how we can make sure we're protecting, protecting or, or what they see as like enhancing that patient kind of transport experience between buildings by, you know, building the subway tunnels and skyways so that patients, you know, are walking in climate controlled spaces. And so it's a little bit more luxurious than a lot of college campuses where, of course, as students, we just trudge through the rain and the snow and everything else and the elements. But um, when it comes to hospital planning for that patient experience, they're really thinking about making sure the patient feels really, really comfortable along that journey throughout the campus. And so, yeah, it just becomes more and more consolidated into these super blocks. And 
less and less focus on, you know, that, that, that interface with the surrounding neighborhood or, or neighborhood, neighborhood buildings. Are there any projects that you've worked on where you feel like, okay, like we were able to factor in, you know, nice walkways or public space interaction with the neighborhood? And yeah, you, you asked that question before. I'm sorry I didn't give you specific examples. I have a lot of little examples. I don't, I can't think of like big examples of big impact, but I think that is kind of in keeping with the strong town principles is like, you know, just incremental improvements. Like what, what little steps can I take in my one project today that over time will, will build out into something bigger. And so I can think of a few examples, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to have, you know, some old building torn down and and a new building built on say, you know, a city block for a hospital and, more often than not, there's enough damage done during the construction process to the sidewalks and the roads around that building that we typically have to plan to just replace all those sidewalks and streets and the landscaping and everything around that building as part of the project cost. So that's actually like an opportunity where a street that may otherwise sit, you know, in the same way it's been for a long, long time to be rebuilt. And so I've actually been able to work with city engineers in negotiating, if you will, and just and, um, coming to agreements about actually narrowing roads. Like, okay, this is an opportunity. Like we have to rebuild this road. We have to repour the curb and the sidewalk. And they may not have some design standards set for that specific part of the neighborhood or downtown to be used as guidance. So then the guidance comes from the owner in the city talking it through and saying, okay, like, just because it was built this way and, and, or existed this way before our project, you know, let's think about how we can build it differently. So I've actually been able to like narrow some streets through those projects by just pushing the curb out, widening the boulevard, having wider sidewalks, adding more boulevard trees, like just some of those very basic, beautiful street kind of elements that, that calm the traffic and make, make for just a better experience. So that's always an opportunity when those projects come along. Another example is when it comes to transportation. So I've been involved in, you know, internal kind of parking and transportation groups within the hospital organizations because of my technical expertise as a civil engineer, which is great, a great way to utilize, you know, my my technical knowledge. In one hospital organization, I was able to (laughs) advance and, and I guess champion, if you will, a project to install more bike racks throughout the campus. And... And it was like a really heavy lift for like a very low cost project. So like when we're talking hospital projects, we're talking multi-million dollar projects typically, you know, for, you know, less than six figures of a cost, it still took two years of championing and kind of politicking internally to make the case that that bike rack, having bike racks in prominent locations around the buildings wasn't perceived as clutter because that's how they had been perceived for many, many years, but actually as an amenity and something that can add beauty to the campus if, if done well and done right and, and placed well and placed right. And that's actually one of the projects that I'm most proud of in my time in healthcare, even though there's not a lot of patients who use them, you know, it's more for the staff and maybe some visitors, but you know, staff satisfaction is just as important in, in the healthcare as, as the patient experience too. So I think that went a long way 
in, in doing something small that I think had a really big impact in a campus wide, a rollout of, of um, something really nice that was very well received. And from what I hear, they're just adding more and more bike racks all the time, you know, build it and they will come. And that's definitely been the case at that specific That's great. Hospital. Yeah. You know, in the big scheme of things, because I'm working on hospital projects that are hundreds of millions of dollars, but those small, those small little things where I've been able to kind of implement the strong town principles have been the ones that I'm most proud of and most excited, you know, about championing. Yeah, absolutely. Are you like hearkening back to previous civil engineering experience? What what did you do before healthcare? I worked for a small municipal consulting firm um, doing, you know, subdivisions, land development for private developers. I was doing municipal work for small cities in Minnesota. So yeah, again, there there was such a connection, you know, with Chuck in those early days in that way, because, you know, the work that he was doing was very similar to mine and like helping these small towns, like make this case for why they should spend all this money, you know, on repaving a street or building a new water tower to support suburban, you know, housing expansion in their community. And, you know, I was so young. I didn't, I didn't understand at the time, you know, I was just doing the work, like putting the numbers in a PowerPoint and thinking like, this is, this is the right thing to do. Like, this is great for the community. They're excited about it. They like the growth, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I saw the other side of that through, you know, Chuck's work and the work of strong towns that I, have completely, you know, changed my perspective and, and think about it so differently and frankly kind of wanted out of it. And so was happy to have an opportunity to spin my career in a different direction with healthcare, because that's just such a lovely space to work in because it's, you know, it's all about the patient and healing and and making people's lives better. And, And looking back, I feel like, I don't know that I felt that way at the time. I don't know that I felt like I was really improving lives with my work in working as a civil engineering consultant. So, you know, much respect to the the people that still do that work. We need them. Um, we need those minds. Um, we need them for healthcare projects. But I've, I felt really good about having the opportunity to change. And yeah, so that's, that's on the professional side in terms of, you know, how I've been able to carry the strong towns ideals and, and approaches with me in my professional life. But I've also had opportunities um, within my community and my, you know, kind of more my, my I don't want to say personal life, but community life within the city that I grew up in. Where do you live now? Um, and then what communities have you been part of in the past too? Well, yeah. So I grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, which is a town of, I say town, but I suppose it's a city of 120,000 people now. A very successful community, um, always very thriving. I live and work in Denver now. I, I just needed the experience of of living in a large city for at least a part of my life. So I've, I've lived out, I've left Minnesota a few years back and have lived in a few large cities since then. But in 2014, we had a curbside chat in Rochester and I helped bring Chuck to Rochester for that. And a group of us gathered after that talk and were really motivated by, by the message and motivated to change things in our community. And we ended up kind of forming an advocacy group within the community really pretty much overhauling the the elected official bench. The city council was supporting candidates who we, you know, we had buy-in to, to the, the platform that we created that was really rooted in Strong Towns principles. And then really just like 
through generational turnover of city staff and like a lot of like, you know, officials within the city, within city hall that had been there for 20, 30, 40 years, um, you know, it, it just was the timing was such that a lot of those were retiring. And so the city was getting all these new great leaders, you know, new, new faces, new voices, new ideas into the city. And so just like looking back to 24, from now back to 2014 and like how it's just completely changed. And, and I'm so proud of, of the work that I helped kind of elevate through that the campaigning and the work to support great city council candidates and others that have really transformed the community and just have totally changed the conversation. And I'm not sitting here claiming to have done that single-handedly. Like it took an army and a lot of different people throughout the past eight years that, that contributed to that. And I was just one piece of that. But when I, when I finally decided it was time for me to leave leave Rochester, my hometown and leave Minnesota, I was leaving feeling just so good about where, where I was sort of leaving it, like what I was walking away from, like this, this community is now in good hands and is really heading in the right direction. And, and so that's just, that was just a really good feeling. And it gives me so much energy to continue to read about, you know, all the strong towns members that are doing that in their own communities and taking those little steps like we did so many years ago one by one, just changing little pieces bit by bit because there's a finish line, not a finish line. It's never complete, but you know, if you have that vision and that mindset of, of change and bringing new thoughts and ideas to your, to your community, it just takes one step at a time and, and you can get there and it's a pretty amazing feeling. That's so good to hear. Is there advocacy or local issues that you're involved in in Denver now outside of your, your professional work? So admittedly, part of the, the allure of moving to a bigger city was to ch- kind of just step away from that for a while. So I lived in Chicago and Atlanta and now Denver. And most of those, I mean, especially Chicago, you know, was has been a leader in, you know, thinking about a lot of the, the more progressive, you know, transportation with, you know, obviously transit has been there forever and bike lanes. And so there are I felt like going to a city like that, like there are, it's not like they don't continuously need help and support, but I was ready to just sort of be like an anonymous nobody in a big city for a few years, you know, kind of coming hot out of the trenches of, you know, really being at the forefront of it in a smaller community. So um, I haven't felt the urge to get involved in, in, in any way, the levels or depths that I was in my hometown, but I think there's always that fire in my belly of, wanting to participate and wanting to contribute my skills and my experiences to wherever I go and wherever I end up, because um, I don't necessarily plan on staying here forever either. I mean, I'm, I'm like, we'll see. I don't, I don't know where the the path is going to take me, but I I do, you know, want to have an impact in in the place that I live um, because I think it's needed no matter where you go. But yeah, for now, for a few years, it's been okay just to kind of sit back and be in hiding for a little bit, to be honest. You know, maybe just more supportive from behind the scenes as best I can. Yeah, that makes sense. That is one of the the things about being in a big city, for sure. <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody that's listening who is an engineer and, you know, is maybe starting to have some second thoughts about what they're doing or wondering how strong counts uh, principles can can influence their work a little bit better what advice would you give 
just read, 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 uh, pay attention, you know, get involved in your community. Um, I had opportunities where, wow, I'm so grateful to think about it, but, you know, my mentors that tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, Lindsay, you should, you know, sit on this little, you know, community board as a start, as a jumping off point and just start to like broaden your perspective of things. Because as an engineer, you can, you know, we, we dive into the details. We're looking at spreadsheets. We're looking at like very detailed, nuanced pieces of, of infrastructure and things in the community. But if you have an opportunity to be involved at a broader level within your community and just plug into some little you know, neighborhood group or a city board, that's really what propelled me into everything I've done since then is, is just, that was a jumping off point. Um, but then, you know, of course, also immersing myself in strong towns reading as much as I could at the time. So yeah, there's, there's a bigger world out there than what you're doing today. And and you have to find that and explore that. And, and as you un, sort of uncover that within your own community, it's very awakening experience that I think is much more invigorating for a career than I guess, sitting behind the computer and doing the design work that, you know, you kind of think is, is going to be your job when you're in college. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And we need the details orientation too, for sure. But. Yeah, and with the engineering background, you know, that kind of gives you a little bit of street cred, maybe not a little bit, maybe more than a little bit of street cred, you know, like there's a, a level of respect. So like when I went to speak on behalf of a neighborhood or a campaign, you know, to have that background and people know that like I'm an engineer, I have a technical understanding of why these things exist and why they are the way that they are is really beneficial, even if you don't continue down the path of doing that design work for a paycheck the rest of your career. It's definitely a credibility thing that, that I really um, cherish and value that I, that I had that experience and chose that profession out of the gate, even if it's led to something completely different. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the show. Um, thanks for being such a longtime member and supporter of the Strong Towns movement. It's an honor to talk with you and just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate the opportunity to support this organization in any way I can. I don't know if that you're offering lifetime memberships anytime soon, but sign me up when, when you're ready. One part of Lindsay's story that you might be interested in is the fact that she brought Chuck to be a speaker in her hometown of Rochester, Minnesota, several years back. Um, that is something you can do, too. Go to strongtowns.org slash events, and you can first see if we're coming to your community sometime soon, but also there's a space to fill out a form if you're curious to begin a conversation about bringing a Strongtown speaker to your community. My wonderful colleague, Michelle, will follow up with you and um, continue that discussion and see about scheduling Chuck or Daniel or even me to come visit your town. Um, we're currently booking out in 2023 now, so strongtowns.org slash events is your hub for all that information. Thank you to our Strong Towns members, wonderful advocates like Lindsay, who are working in whatever profession or part of their life to make their town stronger and decide to step up and support this movement along the way. Head to strongtowns.org slash membership to learn more. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you back here next week for the next episode. Take care. Take care.